0: Okay, well let's open our Bibles in the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings, let me get myself together here, 1 Kings chapter 21, let's look at verse 17 and beyond. First Kings twenty one. This is like almost a continuation of the message from last week, as we got in this little story here. But First Kings twenty one. Let's look at verse seventeen. And the word of the Lord came into Elijah the Teshbite, saying, "Arise, go down to Ahab, king of Israel." which uh, is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, uh, whither he is gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thou saith the Lord, thou hast killed, and also taken possession. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thou saith the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said unto Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And, uh, and the answer, I found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I bring evil upon thee, and will take away the prosperity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of elisha, and for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin, and of Jezebel also spake the Lord saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel, him that die, that diet of Ahab in the city the dog shall eat, and him that diet in the Field shall the fowls of the air eat let's pray heavenly father thank you lord for this passage of scripture very sobering judgment here oh, lord you see evil when it's being done and practice lord everything actually that goes on you see it and you know and lord, lord we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your grace in our lives in jesus name i pray amen all right, so tonight we're looking at this passage, and I've got to turn this around a little bit because it's blowing everything away from the pulpit. All right, so tonight the message is: even when God says it is enough, it is enough. Uh, you ever, when you were a kid, you ever came to a point when you were a kid, you're doing something, then your mom said, "It's enough, it's enough. I'm going to tell your dad when you get when he gets home." My mom used to say that in Portuguese, of course, not in English. But my mom used to say, when your father gets home, I'm going to tell him, it's enough. That was enough for us to stop. Okay, so the events on which we read take place or take place five or six years after the event in Mount Horeb here. So at entering Elijah had been heard from the Nasi, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm sorry, Elijah was not been heard. That's what I'm trying to say. And not seen in the life and the fears of Israel for some time. Perhaps this is a time was spent training the prophet. We don't know. Or to take his place. We don't know. Perhaps it was a time wherein God allowed the prophet to rest his spirit, his mind or his body. However, the reason it seems that there is a five or six years spent here in Elijah's life when he is on a shelf, so to speak, and not being used of the Lord, at least in a public way. Okay? So, we don't see anything from Elijah right here in a public way on which we can elaborate on. Maybe the Lord just kept him private. We don't know. Maybe the Lord put him on the shelf for some time and say, Okay, Elijah, you sit here. You wait. I'm doing other things. We don't know. But we know right now that suddenly Elijah shows back up in the scene because God has a job for him. Okay? So... During those silent years, five or six years, the Lord has worked the prophet of God and, and when he, he appears on the scene again, he's not defeated like he was. Remember last time he was in the cave, he was defeated and God says to him, what are you doing here Elijah? Elijah was completely depressed, Elijah was down, Elijah thought he was the only one and he, all these things and God was working on him. But here in this passage we see the Elijah of old. You know the one that was in the mountain with against their prophets facing, facing King Ahab and facing the, uh, the, those prophets of Baal. That's the same Elijah we see here. He's restored. He's been used by the Lord. He's ready to serve the Lord. And he's here. Who's the guy he's facing again? Ahab. Isn't that the same guy that he, he was facing before? Same guy. And he ran away from him and his wife. Yes, because of what those wives said. Guess what? He's back in the scene with the same people. It's amazing how God just refreshes this man. So Elijah is back. He's ready to serve. He's not disappointed. God gives him a new mission. And we see him carrying out the will of the Lord here. We can see that Elijah is still the faithful man of God. So let's look at this passage tonight from several points, if you will, uh, tonight, when God says it is enough, and God says tonight to this king Ahab, it is enough. We look at those passages. So, number one, we see God's mas- message. I'm sorry to Ahab. So there are some people who think that they can be as wicked as they can be, and there's no ramifications for it. It is not true because we reap what we sow, and that's a reality. But these are people out there that are wicked people, do all kinds of wicked things. They think they can get away with it. For one thing for sure, I'm going to tell you this. They don't get rid, they can get rid here, but doesn't mean they can, they, when they face God, they're not going to face the consequences. Because people say, oh, this guy dying, and, and, and nobody ever caught him. Well, God did. God did. How many people tonight... Are being victimized by people like that. Wicked people. Many people. Thousands of people. So to them is no accountability, no one to answer to. And some of them go on for some time with any consequences. But look what it says. If you go with me to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Keep your eye, your finger there, your eyes. Yeah. Your finger there on 1 Kings 20, 21. And look what it says. I just went, there's a small verse, but there's a, a very Powerful verse because it, it clears what God says to you and me look I mean most of us know this verse by heart, but there it goes let's take a look at it. look what it says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. so God sees all right God sees all. okay so fortunately there is a God in heaven who sees all things. He may allow wickedness to go on for a season, but it comes a time when he says, it's enough. So, let's look at it, hey, the comfort of it. The comfort. Look at verse, back to our text. Look, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the by saying, Now, when the word of the Lord came to Elijah, you think that it was a joy to the, to, to the prophet? Probably. He rejoices. he's so happy right? He's ready to go, and he goes and he goes and works for the Lord right here. I think it's comforting words right here. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Teshbite. Isn't great when we read God's word, and the word of the Lord just comes to us, right? Pumps right out of, out of, of, uh, uh, of the scriptures. I, today I finished the book of Job, and I'm just reading Psalm chapter one. And it just, what a wonderful psalm. What a wonderful psalm. Psalm chapter 1. To me it was. It kept, I read so many times. It just spoke to me this morning. So, isn't it great when we hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and the Word in the Lord just speaks to us through His message? Isn't great when we are used of the Lord? Isn't that great when the Lord calls us to do something for Him? So Elijah bent out of the public eye. For some time, he's sitting on the shelf, so to speak. God was not using him. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't know where he was or where he was doing. Neither it means that God was not using him. God was preparing the prophet for that situation. Put it like this. I compare this, well, it's not, the best analogy is the Bible analogy. I compare this like this, all right? When I used to play sports, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice. You're ready for the game, but you sit on the bench. And you sit there. You might not be used that game. You might not be used the other game. You might be six, seven games, and you never put your feet in the field. When it comes a day, the coach looks at you and says, come on. I want you there in that position. All right, what you been doing here? You are sitting on the bench preparing. And that's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we have to sit in the pew. Sometimes we, whatever it is. So, but God prepares. God knows where you are, where I am. God knows where we are. And God prepares us. And when He's ready to use us, He calls our name up. So, under that first point, the comfort of it, number one, God's grace in the situation. Look at verse 18. Arise, what God says to Elijah. Go down to Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. So God is specific. God gives him a command. Arise, Elijah. I have a mission for you. There he goes, uh, uh, Ahab. He goes to the same people. It's interesting. He goes to the same people that he runs from. He got so sick, so depressed. He wanted to die from this, because of the same people, and guess where he is, back in the same place, facing the same king. So perhaps he thought that, his last days on earth, would be spent preparing Eli- Elijah, uh, Elijah, for the task ahead in his ministry, maybe that's what he thought, perhaps he thought that he would, be remembered as Elijah, the way he has been in the past, but no God was not done with him, God called back his name. And God had a plan for this man's life, and he intended to use him again uh, for his glory. So Elijah experienced the grace of God in being taken off the shelf and placed back from the line for the glory of the Lord. God had a mission for his servant Elijah, and I believe God has a mission for you and me. When that mission comes, I don't know, you don't know. We just need to be prepared when the Lord calls us or calls our name. So for this time to time the Lord, forget this, from time to time the Lord have a mission for you and me. It might not be the same routine of life, but from time to time the Lord has a mission for you, has a mission for me, like he did for Elijah here. So whatever the reason you find yourself sitting aside, I tell you that tonight, don't despair. Whenever you find yourself sitting inside, don't despair. Use the time wisely. Pray, see God's face, learn from His Word. Spend time on His Word. Get to know God. Be faithful to Him. Even when you are the, in the one in the dry time of life, God will use you again. There will come a day when the Master will pass by the shelf and say, you, 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 I have a mission for you. That's what He did to Elijah here. Elijah, so to speak, he was recovering. He was putting away from the public eye. But God said, it's time. I need you. So God doesn't forget you and God doesn't forget me. I would imagine that Jonah thought he had preached his last message as he laid in that whale's belly. But guess what? He was wrong. Peter thought he was, washed, he was washed up as a disciple when he denied Jesus at that Roman fire that night. But guess what? He was wrong. John Mark thought that he would never be trusted by the apostles after he abandoned Paul and Barnabas on the mission field. He was wrong. David probably thought he would never shout, his, uh, shout and sing again after he did with Bathsheba. He was wrong. You see, if you think you are washed up tonight from some sin, whatever is the situation, no. Don't be wrong. You're wrong. God can use you again. Number two, God's grasp on the situation. Look at verse 18. Arise, go to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Nabad. Now think about what God says right here. He didn't say he's in his vineyard. Follow that? He says he's in the vineyard of Nabat. Who was Nabed? He was killed and false accused. We saw that last week. And God said he is in the vineyard of Naboth." Wow. God sees, isn't he? God saw the whole thing. God's word to the prophet let him know that the Lord is on top of the situation. God knows what... Where Ahab is and what Ahab has been doing. Surely to comfort to the man of God. To know, it was comfort to the man of God of course to know. That is God was in control and God is in control tonight as well. I just want to remind each one of you that God is in control of your situation as well. Don't despair because God knows exactly where you are. Just as God knew all about Elijah's enemy. Where he was and what he was doing. God knows What your enemies are and knows exactly where you are. So be aware. Don't despair. He knows where you are and know what you're facing tonight. Let it be. We see the cause of it. Look at verse 18 again. The cause of it. It says, um, Arise, go to meet Ahab king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth whether he has gone down to possess it. Wow. The reason God sent Elijah with the message of death and destruction is because of the events of 1 Kings 21 to uh, 16. In these verses, Ahab and Jezebel were committed some horrible sins, is that they perverted the law of God, put an innocent man to death, bribed false witness to lie against him, and they had taken that which belonged to a dead man. So, in the event surrounding the confisc- confiscation I'm sorry, uh, of neighbor right here, the vineyard, this diabolical duel right here has plunged the depths of the privacy right here. You know, God says, it is enough. It is enough. They went way too far. It is enough. They, they pretty much got their own judgment here on what they did. So, we see the cause of it. Let, uh, let us see. We see the content of it. Look at verse 19. And, they shall, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thou saith the Lord, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thou saith the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick the, thy blood, even thine. So God's message to this vineyard, uh, or to this wicked peer, is directly and plain. God passes judgment on them. There will be no misunderstanding to which the Lord is trying to say to them here. There are two basic divisions in God's message right here. Number one, we see the sin. Okay? We see the sin. God knew what Ahab had done, and He knew the extent of it, and He knew the vials of it. Knowing God, knowing nothing God, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't even know what I wrote here. So those things that we think are hidden from view are open, In the contempt of God. Because you know what? Our God just sees all. God sees everything. So just a reminder. That God knows everything there is to know about us, about you, about me. And nothing in our lives escapes His gaze. We see this in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 3. Number two we see not only the sin, but we see the sentence. Ahab's sin, there can't be but one sentence was that this man's guilt of murder theft deception idolatry and even a form a heavy form of wickedness and evil he is guilty in the sight of the Lord and he is sentenced to die Ahab has given plenty of hope right here he, uh, he has given opportunity after opportunity to repent of his sin and turn to God however he procrastinated and continued in his sin now God says that's enough it's time to face your deeds. This man took something that did not belong to him. Not only that, his wife participated in the crime. And as the wife used all kinds of false witness, all kinds of things to what? Uh, just to get a piece of land, a vineyard. Wickedness. So this man is guilty in the sight of the Lord. Ahab. God said to him is enough. Just a word of application here. There will come a time when God says to you and me. That's enough. That's enough. There will be a time that God says that. It's enough. He may allow man to wander in sin for a season. But the day will come when the hymn of God judgment will fall. And when it does. A judgment will be swift and sure and harsh. Do, you th- do not think that, that you can't play around and God will say it's okay. He's, let me put it this way. Okay, Is our, is our God merciful? Yes. yes. He is graceful? Yes. But let me tell you this. He's a God of judgment, isn't He? And He comes around and says it's enough. That's what God says to to Ahab right here. He says, it is enough. Let me give you an illustration. A certain man wanted to sell his house in Haiti for $2,000. Another man wanted to buy it, but because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. After much bargain, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with just one specula- speculation, I'm sorry, he would retain ownership of one small nail protruding just over the door, of the front door. After several years, the original owner wanted the, the house to buy the house back, but the new owner of the house was unwilling to sell. So the first owner went out, found the, found the carcass of a, of a dead dog, and hang it on, in front of the, fa- of the single nail that he still owned. Soon the house became unlivable, because of the smell of course, and the family was forced to sell the house to the owner of the nail. So the moral value of this parable is, if we leave the devil with even one small pig, in our own in our lives he will return to hang as rotting garbage on it, making it unfit for Christian habitation. There is the truth. This truth is taught in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Let's go to point, point number two. God's message delivered to Ahab. God's message. So God gave the message to Elijah. Now, uh, Elijah is going to deliver the message to Ahab. So the Lord's message to King Ahab was loud and clear. It was not a message of good news, but a message of judgment. God has done with him; was done with him, and with his wife. The one who uh, who was to deliver God's message was not either no other. I'm sorry, that Elijah. Who was Elijah until this time? For five or six years, Elijah was in the shelf. Elijah was away from public eye. He was not used of the Lord, but Elijah was ready. That's where Elijah was. He was ready. It's like I said about co- the coach. You sit in the bench. You prepared yourself, you prepared yourself, prepared yourself. And when the coach called your name, you're ready to play. So we see the message delivered to Ahab. Letter A, we see the welcoming, the welcoming. Look what it says in verse 20. And Ahab said to Elijah, has thou found me, O mine enemy? Well, okay. There was nothing good between these two over here. Elijah has, I mean, Ahab had Elijah as his enemy. And he right here. He acknowledged him as his enemy. And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. So when these two men met, the first to speak is Ahab. He sees Elijah approaching and calls him his enemy. He had been a long time since this, These two had seen each other and there was no love between them at all. There was no love here. But while Ahab looked at Elijah and an enemy, Elijah was in fact the best friend Ahab could have right there. How could? Because Elijah tried the best to teach Ahab the proper way to live his life. You know what? Let me put it like this. How many people we try to help, try to tell them, how to do things, how to live their life, and they don't listen to you. Many people have done that. Listen, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go over there. Don't do this. You know what? And they go and do it because they refuse to listen to the voice of reason. Are we perfect? No. We're not perfect. You see... Even though Ahab adds Elijah as his enemy, actually Elijah was the best friend that Ahab could have. Because actually Elijah tried to tell him the truth and he wouldn't listen. He was listened to his wife, which was a wicked person. See, if Ahab wanted to find his real enemy, he needed to look no further than the woman that he called his wife. She was the source, the source of his trouble, not Elijah. So the word of the Lord tells us that much of Ahab, of what Ahab did was because he listened to his wife. She was a vile and a wicked woman. Look at verse 25 of our text. There was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Look what it says. Whom Jezebel, his wife, stir it up. You see the cause of this man's sin? It was his wife. It's right there. You can read it again. Let's read it again. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. So this man, unfortunately he was weak. And this man has a full wife, a wicked woman, which was the cause of this. And the, the reason why that man that owned that vineyard died was because of her. He didn't plan that murder. She did the whole thing. So folks, be careful to whom you listen to. Be careful with the people that you hang around with. They can't influence you to do evil and to live wrong before the Lord. Sometimes we say that nobody will influence me. Many times that's not true. Many times we get influenced by people around us. You don't live right towards the Lord. Another thing here in this passage is that there are events that repeat themselves time again. You let a person get sin in their heart and then someone comes along and tells them the truth about them and the situation and they will get angry at you. They don't want to hear it. People do not appreciate having someone point out their errors. In fact... They often turn to the person entrusted with carrying the truth to them. I tell you what, that happens in my job every day. Situation comes up, you approach the person, it's a big argument. They don't want to hear it. The man who tells you the truth is not your enemy, but he is your friend. Let it be, we see the confrontation. Look at verse 20. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And hence I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to the work of evil in the sight of the Lord. So Elijah is very clear right here. Elijah responds to Ahab is to, is to confront his sin right on. The man of God pulls no punches, but let Ahab know that his sin have been exposed. Let me put it this way. Okay. Okay. So, so what we have here, we have... Jezebel dragging this man along and putting, infusing it in his mind and he falls into the trap of Jezebel, his wife, and does all this wicked stuff. But let me put it this way. He's responsible for his own actions as much as she is. That's why judgment come on both. Each one of us are responsible for our own actions. Oh, he's going to be that way. This reminds me of the time, of, time Nathan came into David and said, Thou art the man. I'm sure that Ahab had already rationalized the events with Naboth, away by saying, well, I didn't have anything to do with. I was in the place of mind my business when Jezebel came and told me that Naboth was dead. If she had a hand on it, well, that's, that's not my problem. I didn't do it. Okay. You went home and cried. Who went home and complained? Who went home with the tail between his legs? Ahab did. And she did something about it because he was not man enough to do something about it. I don't think it was in the mind of Ahab to go and kill the man, but it was in her mind. And when it happened, he did nothing about it until God says it's enough. See, however, Elijah's statement exposes the fact that. That Ahab is at the center of the blame for all that is taken place here. Nahab is dead because Ahab was covered, he covered his vineyard. Uh, Naboth is dead because Ahab had no control over his wife. Naboth is dead because Abed turned a blind eye to that which was right. Naboth is dead because Ahab had no regret for the clear word of God. Naboth is dead because Ahab is sold on the sin. When Elijah used the word sold, he is, it is an interesting play on words here. This is a word that means habitual lifestyle given over to something. It also can, can mean to marry to that type of lifestyle. Not only had he had manifest wickedness in his life day by day, but he had also married wickedness when he took Jezebel to be his wife. She is definitely a wicked woman. The Bible clearly t- teaches that. And he allowed her to influence him. And then he is here, he's going along with it. He allows the sin to go to him and he's responsible for it because, listen, God goes to him first, then goes to her after. So, when will men ever learn that we are, well, we cannot hide anything from God? He sees everything we do, he even knows the motives behind what we do when we sing God knows the motives you can be here and God knows your motives because God what the Bible says God looks in the heart of man the only course of action can bring peace and restoration is this: is full confession. Confess your sin to the Lord, because there will come a day when we will be confronted because of our sins as well. God will not let them go forever, but will bring them to, to the day to, to pass. For an example, Reuben at his father's bed's bad, uh, side. In those verses in Genesis chapter forty-nine, verse three and four, sin had. Been covered, listen to this, for 40 years and is dragged bright to the light of judgment and confrontation when his father mentioned that. The day will come when it will be dealt with. Better that it should be early than later. But everything comes to the light of day. Which let us see here in this point number two is the message. The message. From verse 21 to verse 26, in these verses, few verses, Elijah delivers the term of God's judgment to Rahab. He tells him that in no certain terms, just what is going to happen to him, his family and his kingdom because of his sin. Surely this wasn't a popular message, but it was a message of the Lord had delivered to him. Notice the two aspects of this message. The interesting thing right here, folks, is this, is this. When Elijah heard the message from Jezebel, it just literally, the man just fell into pieces. He ran away, he wanted to die, he hide himself, all because of one statement. And we see the boldness of this man right here, facing the same exact people. Same exact people. So we see the message. So notice the two aspects of this message. Number one, it was a personal message. Look at verse 21. Says, behold, I will bring evil upon thee. That's personal, and I will take away thy thy personal prosperity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pissed it against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. But there was none like Ahab, which did sell himself in the work of wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up, and he did much abominable in following idols according to all things as he did. The Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. You see, right here, in these three verses, it's a personal message. God directs that message right to this man. It is a personal message. There is, there is no mistake the fact that the hammer of God is about to fall on the house of Ahab. Even the wicked Jezebel will be judged by God. The Lord, I mean, by the way, she, she's not even there, but she's got, she got this, the piece of the pie right here. And number two, you see, it was a settled message. It was it was a number one, it was a personal message, but number two, is a settled message. God was not look what look at verse twenty-one. Behold, I'll bring evil upon thee, and I will take away the prosperity, and will cut off from uh, Ahab and it goes on, and we already read these verses. So Ahab is told that even his children will suffer because of his sin. And then the book of uh, did want, no Numbers I think Leviticus they said that I will go up to the fifth generation because of your sin I think it's somewhere around that those, those, those words so this is one of the said consequences allowing sin to fester in the home and hearts of those who live there many times children are a reflection of their homes we see time and time again who don't what are do we going to roll here we see time and time again uh, children who don't live right, don't do right. A lot of times it's a reflection of their homes because their parents don't do the same thing either. So children learn many things from their parents. It's true. All of us do. And that includes, unfortunately, many sinful actions. All of us do. We all, we all of us here in this room, we all bring something that we learn. We didn't let go. is part of us of who we are. Remember we say something, oh, I think like my mother. Oh, I'm speaking like my mother. Oh, I'm thinking like my dad. Oh, I'm speaking like my dad. Oh, I'm acting like my dad. I'm acting like... Well, because we, we just, it just came with us. And all of us are, have that. But let me tell you, how many children are a picture of evil? Not they don't about children, like adults. And if you look at the home, it's the same thing. Yes. Yes. There's no concerning what Elijah told Ahab here. He didn't leave him there scratching his head saying, no, I wonder what that fellow was he talking about. His message didn't make a bit of sense to me. He knew exactly what he was talking about and the message was right directed to Ahab right here. What can we learn from these events? First, that God is long-suffering. God who gives men plenty of opportunities to repent. Secondly, There will come a day when the opportunities will run out and there's nothing left but judgment of God. Thirdly, when judgment comes, because of sin is certain many times and swift, and a lot of times we don't like the pain because it hurts. Okay, so let's go to, in this title, when God says enough, our last point, point number three, God's mercy towards Ahab. We see this from verse 27 to verse 29. So that's the part on which many people would, would read the story have a problem here. They read and understand the judgment of God, but one thing that they don't get is the mercy of God here. How would God be merciful to such a person who had no mercy to anybody else? The answer relies on the fact that God, um, I mean, He is God and we are not, of course. He forgives even the most wicked person He's a God of mercy and forgiveness. That is the reason why He has forgiven me and forgiven you. In letter A, we see Ahab's repentance. Look what it says in verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words. Which words, folks? Which words? The words of Elijah, right? Where the words came from? From God. God gave them. Okay, let me go back a little bit. God gave the Elijah, the prophet, who was sitting on the shelf, waiting to be served, a message to deliver to the same man and the same woman he ran away from. God gave him a message. He brought the message to this man, to Ahab, He brought the message there. And Ahab is the recipient of that message. Not a good message, is it? Not a good message. But look what it says in verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words. Now folks, there are people who listen, they never hear anything. But there are people who hear and take it to, to heart. This man right here, you, you judge what, if he took it to heart or if he's just listening, for the sake of listening. Look what it says. And it came to pass when Elijah heard those words that he rent his clothes and put set cloth upon his face and fasted and lay in and he went softly. So when, uh, actually let's look at verse 28 as well. Right here. Look at verse 28. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Shabbat, say." In verse 29, Seest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me, Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Now, get this. We're going to get to this. According to these words right here, did Ahab repented? Yes, he did. It's right clear right there. And God recognizes that. You know why? Here's the thing that many people have a problem. We look at what we see. I see you all over the auditorium. God looks in the heart. And when God says to Elijah, He humble before me. God is telling Elijah that he really is genuine. Some people have a problem say, Well, no, no, no that's exactly what it says here. You see? So we see Ahab's repentance, letter A. So, when I have heard the, sen- the, 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 I'm sorry, the sen- sentence, I'm sorry, that is handled down by Elijah, he knows that he, his time or his chances are running out. He knows that he must repent or perish. He knows judgment is certain. So even this wicked little man does what he should have done many years before. What does he do? He repents of his sin and walks in humility humility before God. Literally, he asks God with a genuine heart. Let me put it this way. That's what salvation, the way salvation works. I'll give you a story. One time, not a story, this is a true fact. We We were going on visitation at First Baptist Church many years ago. Goodness, many years ago. And we were going from just knock on random doors, because this is what happened that night to us. We given addresses, three addresses to go visit, and all the three addresses were wrong addresses. The people who wrote the addresses, they didn't write the right addresses, or they maybe did it purposely, I don't know. So we were coming back to the church, and we said, well, when we stop in these doors knocking knock in a couple of doors and just give them a couple of tracks to people. So we did. We, we invited this lady to church, and, and she came to church. Well, the following Sunday was an invitation. She came forward. We're looking at ladies. with no ladies there. So the pastor said to me, so I went and talked with this lady, led him to the Lord. When I finished, I gave the paper to the pastor. I went and sit down and he continued. And in the end of the service, I approached the pastor. I said, pastor, I think it went too fast. I don't think she really got it. I don't think she got saved i have a doubt in my heart i don't think she got saved and he says well god does the same so i understand pastor just an unease in my heart so the pastor that week he went to visit that lady and her husband was home of course i was not there he told me the story after Uh, and he said that when he was there she they were sitting on the table, on the kitchen table, and he was sitting right, th- right there talking to them. He's trying to witness to the husband as well. But she looks at the pastor and said, I have a question. And then he said, yes, go ahead. And he said, you telling me if my husband dies, then he's going to this hell place you guys talk about? And the pastor said, well, it's not my words, but that's what the Bible teaches and she goes, I will never accept that. Get out of my house. And you say, he told me the story. I said, Pastor, I don't know if that woman got saved. He goes, I have doubts to myself now. We never seen that woman again. See, here's the thing. you God said, I don't know. Only God knows. What is the thing? God forgives those who are Genuine. A person can't go to salvation and a person is not genuine with God is loose as a goose. So, we see repentance here. Repentance is one of those words that doesn't get a lot of air time in our modern world, world today. The idea of repentance refers to a change of mind that results in a change of actions. You follow that? That's repentance. It's what I used to do, I don't do anymore. I turn around. 180 the other way. It is best pictured by someone who is going in one direction and suddenly makes one end of the degree in the other direction. While no one wants to hear much talk about repentance these days, it is the only way to get right with God. So the Bible says it clear in Luke, actually, go to Luke chapter 13. I want you to see something here. I'll go to Luke chapter 13. We're almost done. Luke chapter 13, look at verse 3. And Jesus is very clear right here in Luke thirteen three. We look at different verses. Uh, uh, we look at three and five, then then I will give you um, uh, verse seventeen of uh, Acts chapter seventeen, verse three. But look at verse Luke 13, five, 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now look at verse five. I tell you, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Like word for word repeated. So now. Look at, uh, listen to uh, Acts seventeen thirty. And the time of, of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to what? Uh, repent. So look at, that's good letter B. We see Ahab, I'm sorry, respite or temporary delay. So we see the verse 28 and verse 29. Here's my question. Did God took the judgment away from the house of Ahab? No, He did not. He forgave him for that. But let me tell you, judgment was still coming. It was, God said it will happen in a, if you know your Bible, it did happen. So, because Ahab repents, God let Elijah know that he's going to show Ahab mercy. Judgment was still coming, but it will be held off until Ahab's death. Get this, that is the grace, gracing action right here. If anyone deserves to pay the price for wickedness, it was this man, Ahab. Ahab was sincere that time. It appears that he was, at that time, that he was sincere, and God recognized that. Listen, folks, the same truths today. People can do as they please to do, but if they don't repent with a sincere heart, God will not forgive. People can live in sin and even play around with sin, but if they don't repent and be sincere with God, God will not forgive. People can embrace life of immorality, doing what they want, but if they don't repent with a sincere heart, God will not forgive. And it comes to a point, of course, that God says, that's enough. That's enough. That's what He says. And that's what says right here, that's enough. In other words, if people choose a life of sinful and rebellious over a life of righteous and obedience, then they should not be shocked when God says it's enough and judgment comes severely. What many people don't seem to get is this, folks, sin always brings consequences. Sin always brings consequences. And it's the truth for me, it's the truth for you, it's truth for anybody. Sin always brings consequences. Sin will blind you and me of its consequences. It will bind you with its power. I conclude with this, folks, tonight. Unfortunately, there are many Ahabs living in our world today. There are many people who would do anything to get what they really want. There are many people who live wickedly and practice evil every day. But there is also a God of mercy who can forgive them if they ask him forgiveness. Many will go to the grave living wickedly to their last minute. They will go to eternity to a total separation because they never refuse to make peace with God. I wish I could finish this message to be honest with you in in a positive tone. But the reality is this, is that God does not close his eyes to sin and wickedness. He does not. It don't care how much we try to say God is a God of love, God is a God of love. And that's what many say out there, God is a God of love. And they leave that part behind and they're not teaching that God is a God of judgment as well. might let us go for some time but he says he comes to a point he says it is enough and he points up enough point right here in the life of elijah i am sorry in the life of ahab in the life of jezebel and he said is enough wickedness shall we pray heavenly father thank you lord so much for this passage of scripture We can learn, Lord, that the only way we can approach you is with a sincere heart. And, Lord, you look at the heart of man. You know the condition of every heart. You saw, Lord, a wicked man like Ahab asking forgiveness. And he told your servant, Elijah, he was sincere. And you forgive him. What a mercy. What a grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen folks everybody have a prayer sheet everybody have a prayer sheet tonight okay any prayer requests tonight if you could please pray for my mother she uh, gave my wife a really hard time today.